The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Absurd Psychology, straight answers without all the bull. Your host is Dr. Gary Bell. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist, and he'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back to our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here's the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Absurd Psychology. Uh, This is Dr. Gary Bell in the beautiful Mecca of Corona, California. And uh, our first show today is uh, Have an Insignificant Life, It's Important. Now, that, that's a quote from Mahatma Gandhi. And uh, the reason I, I chose that as a way to start this show is because I want to take a real broad overview of psychology and a sense of how we need to change and adapt to today's world, the 21st century and the way people live today. And um, having an insignificant life, the reason it is important is because your life influences others more by your actions than your words. It's about integrity. It's about staying on a mission, staying on something, an idea, something that you believe in, and moving forward through it until it is ended or it just continues and the torch is picked up by other people. And integrity is very attractive. This is what all people yearn for. They hope that their life has it. And there's, you know, fine examples out there. There's people like Abraham Lincoln with the 13th Amendment, the Civil War. There's uh, other folks like Mahatma Gandhi, uh, Martin Luther King, Gloria Steinem, Joan of Arc. I mean, there's all kinds of folks. There's even the guy that uh, fixes my uh, elliptical machine. (laughs) His name is Lavelle. And Lavelle is one of the best people to fix these machines. He's incredible, and he does it because he loves his work. But uh, my goal here is you know to quickly and efficiently give you tools in a way that you can apply things to your life and make your life better. And uh, you know th- those folks who don't have integrity, those folks who don't have a passion in life, who don't lead a life with a commitment that is bigger than them, oftentimes find themselves alone. And we don't want that. We want our life to be significant, not a mediocre journey, but a magnificent journey. And, uh, you know, the meaning of life, if you, if you really think about it, and, and it sounds very simple, but the real true meaning of life is being available right here in this very moment, right here and now. Instead of living in the past and instead of living in the future, if I take the time to make this moment important, then that is the meaning of my life in this moment. And what happens is if I move to the next moment, that's the meaning of my life in that moment. But being fully present 
it allows us all to be in tune with what's called our intuition. And your intuition is a sixth sense, and that is how we read people. That's how we pick up on people. And sadly in this world, so many people live a, a life of coping. Of, of dealing with their problems and just rattling those problems around in their head and trying to control something they cannot control instead of being fully available in the moment. And that is one of the goals of trying to get a person to become stable and peaceful in this life and to grab it and take hold of it and do great things. Somebody that wrote about this, and it's called existentialism, by the way, is Viktor Frankl. And he was in a Nazi concentration camp for three years. He was a medical doctor. And and basically what he did was he learned how to take each moment with each individual that he dealt with and make it important. It didn't matter if they were going to die in the next five minutes, if he was going to die in the next five minutes. He knew the one thing that the Nazis could not take away from him was that moment. And that is the most powerful thing. And if we can find that, and I know that sounds like a very uh, lofty goal, but the truth is the more you can find that in your life, the more significant your life becomes. People yearn to have somebody fully present to talk to, to connect with. They, they pay to see therapists to be fully available, to, to be there and tuned in to them. And that's sad when you can have that with your spouse, your children, your relatives, and people you love. So why is this show? What, what's the point of it? And, and I'll tell you the truth. It's to blend psychology with the 21st century. We live our lives at light speed. And the problem is that these folks that are in psychology, like myself, we're all trained by universities who use theories by a bunch of dead therapists or dead psychologists who form theories that were created before insurance. And if anybody has insurance, you understand that if you're going to go see somebody, you get three sessions, five sessions, six sessions, eight sessions, and everything has to be accomplished within that range. Unfortunately, these theories were created when people had money to spend and too much time on their hands. And the problem is the tools that are created in those therapies don't give us the tools that we need to work in today's world. And so my goal is to try to move psychology into today's world and try to take those theories, not take away from them, but take tools away from those theories and apply those to our lives. And that that is unfortunately something that Anybody in this field of psychology has to do on the job. And it's tough, it's, it's rough, and uh, for those people who have to spend 3,000 hours during an internship to do this, it's very difficult for them to put it together when all they were taught is theory. Now, there's also another problem in today's world. Many people were not taught how to raise their children. Many people were not taught how to be married. And what we have is people following role models from their parents or from their aunts, uncles, grandma, grandpa, whoever had some form of stability in their life. And unfortunately, those models also don't work in today's world because we are moving in technology with Internet, with with uh, cell phones, smartphones, uh, just our communication style is all completely different than the day and age that even our parents grew up in. And so the, the, the idea is that with this show that I want to also give people tools around how to live your life in a more productive way, how to be 
better off in a relationship, how to enjoy your children, how to enjoy your sex life, how to enjoy a whole bunch of your job, your motivation, your sense of, of living, your sense of meaning, all of that stuff is why this show is here. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, if you also look at the fact that since nearly the 70s, we have a bunch of latchkey children out there being raised by childcare, by kids' camps, by uh, relatives, and then they have divorced parents, the evil step parent. I'm sorry, all parents work. You know, all parents are usually working and lack energy to parent. Not all step parents, by the way, are evil. I've been a step parent. Let me tell you. <laughs> but no employer today, also in this world, for these children growing up, wants to retire them. Nobody wants to pay them benefits for the rest of their life. The likelihood is these kids growing up in today's world aren't going to graduate and move into some wonderful job and work 30 years and have retirement. They're going to have to work until they die. And that is a very difficult mission for anyone to live unless they have a passionate life and do the things that they love. And what I'm trying to do with this show is give you those tools. Okay, now let's look at the Diagnostic Manual for Mental Health. And here's the truth of it all. If you look at this gigantic book and tear it down into one root, there's one square root that ties it all together, that the root of all psychosis, all disorders that man creates in our delusional thinking, is the need to control things we cannot control. We blow smoke up our own butts. That's the truth. We try to control things in this life, in this earth, in this universe that we don't have the capacity to control. And by doing that, by trying to control your husband, trying to control your wife, trying to control your employees, trying to control a, 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 ch- a child, a friend, uh, all those things are crazy. And they will drive you crazy. They will create problems in your life if you're a control freak. And unfortunately, many people take on the idea that if they can control everything, they can avoid pain. But what they end up doing is creating more pain. And so, my job security as a therapist and the dsm 4 relishes the thought that people are trying to control everything. And what we want to do is unplug that. What we want to do is get in tune with life, and that's another reason why I've brought this show forward. Many of the symptoms of very simple diagnoses like depression, like anxiety, uh, uh, obsessive-compulsive disorder, those type of of, uh, issues, all those symptoms have to do with coping skills of trying to control life. And unfortunately, they drive people crazy. The universe was not created for us. We join it. Therefore, we must think differently if we want a life in harmony with existence. This is not a religious issue. It's an understanding of our place in the process of life. What we do with our place in the process of life can be spiritual. That means your passion in life, your goal in life can be spiritual. If we really look at this, we are souls living a human life. That means that our soul comes into our body and we have this human life. And the human life can just exist. It can just get by. You can have your family. You can have your job. You can do, you know, just certain things and have certain friends and do certain things in life. But the soul has a bigger journey. 
And when you bring those two together, what happens is in life, your soul and your human life become very rich and very full. And once again, we're able to do things that are greater than us. It's a process, life. And unfortunately, people want to live it for events. So I'm going to wait until vacation until I can live. (laughs) And that's crazy. Life is a process. That means every minute of every day is an opportunity to feel alive. Unfortunately, people fill it with coping, coping, coping until I get to that vacation. Crazy. It's crazy, isn't it? So when we feel alive, and and here's an example. People will pay ungodly amounts of money to go to sports. Well, why do we think we go to sports? We go to sports because any successful athlete has to be fully present and fully alive in the moment to be able to deliver the results that all of us are sitting there waiting to see. The people that are successful in that are in the moment and living in the moment. And so people who can't live in the moment choose to pay to watch people be in the moment. That's how bad people want this. And that's crazy. You know, if you look at life, life can be lived in two different variances. One can be a fear-based life, meaning I'm I'm, going to react to life. I'm going to react to everything around me. I'm going to live in fear. And and if somebody does something, I'm just going to huddle in the corner or I'm going to fight back. But I'm basically reacting to life. But life itself is a faith-based venture. And what that means is that we take a leap of faith. If you're going to get married to someone, you're taking a leap of faith. If you're deciding to go and start a new job, you're taking a leap of faith. If you're starting to have your first child, you're taking a leap of faith. These are great things. If you're deciding to go to college, deciding on a new career, those things are a leap of faith. And the more leaps of faith we take, the more in tune we come with life. This failure-based thought, people worry about failure, that's crazy stuff. Crazy. Because failure is an opportunity to learn. I hope people fail more often. As a matter of fact, I tell my interns as a supervisor that I hope they fail because I want them to learn. I don't want them to be afraid of failure. And if people are, they're afraid to live. You know, and there's another way to look at life, especially failure, and that's a thing called determinism, which means things happen because that's why they had to happen. Uh, That means if you predict a negative outcome, likely you're going to get a negative outcome. If you're going to bring up divorce to your partner, you're likely going to get a divorce. And so, you know, we, we create what are called self-fulfilling prophecies, and these things can lead, will lead to an outcome that is determined. And it's usually determined by us or by us and the person we're corresponding with. All right, so let's have a little fun. Things you may not know about yourself. Well, you only breathe through one nostril at a time. That's why you get boogers. Every four hours, your brain flips from one side to the other side. And now, of course, you're not doing that because right now everybody's testing that and trying to figure out, hmm, is that really so? Well, well, you're consciously thinking about it. Of course it's not. You're going to breathe through both your nostrils. But the deal is, is that this has everything to do with stress and oxygen. If you are able to breathe through your mouth, you gain more oxygen. And if you breathe through your nose, you're getting a straw's worth of oxygen. And as many people know, your brain lives off oxygen. And so if you're going to get a straw's worth of oxygen, you're not going to think very very clearly. (laughs) So here's another thing. 
cold showers will actually increase sexual arousal. That means that the shower will calm, the cold shower will actually calm the brain down. The brain is full of blood, and blood is very warm. And if you calm it down, then the brain has more capacity to relax and to think and to enjoy. Also, if your body were 86 degrees, you would actually live more than 200 years. Also, given the fact that your, your brain carries 20% of your blood, it is primarily made of fat and it needs oxygen. Water contains 89% oxygen and air only contains 21%. So what do you think you want to do when your brain is lacking oxygen? Because what it's doing is stealing that oxygen from all your soft organs, your heart, your lungs, kidneys, liver, and people develop what are called somatic symptoms, stomach aches, fast, you know, heart palpitations, things like that, uh, quickness of breath. And so what you want to do is drink a lot of water because if you drink that water, especially if you drink water through an aerated bottle, which is a sports bottle, it has that little aerator at the top. And what happens is as you drink it, it activates the oxygen and gives you even more oxygen. So that calms the brain down. That is not psychology. That is biology. But that is a remedy to some degree of anxiety. Also, here's here's another one. <laughs> Crying and orgasms come from the same part of your brain. It's called the limbic system. Prolactin, dopamine, oxytocin are all managed in the limbic system. So what happens is we hold our breath to extend our crying, and we do the same to manage orgasms. Now, I know that sounds crazy, but the next time you see someone crying, it is likely that they have not had an orgasm in a while and are, and are doing it right there in front of you. <laughs> so to calm this down, maybe you should offer them some cold water. <laughs> okay, we've got this thing called emotional intelligence. And a lot of people don't understand what emotional intelligence is. But what it is, is if you think about it in very, very simple terms, if a baby cries, it can mean it's, it's hungry, it's tired, uh, scared, lonesome. There's all kinds of emotions that the crying can represent. But unfortunately, the baby does not have an emotional vocabulary to express what it's really feeling. So he or she will cry. And unfortunately, a lot of people in life will go through life and not have that emotional vocabulary. They will maintain very, very simple emotions and not learn how to express them. And what happens is they become maladjusted. And so emotional intelligence plays a huge role in people's ability to have relationships in life. Unfortunately, people that are addicted to alcohol or drugs, whenever they start their addiction, what they basically do is end up extending that issue, uh, meaning they extend their development from the time they start to the time they stop. They basically stop uh, where they're growing. They, they, they're not developing. That means their emotions aren't developing. And then when they stop, oftentimes they restart right back where they started. Let's say if they'd start drinking at 15 and they stopped at 25, their emotions at 25 would be that of a 15-year-old. And that's unfortunate with drugs and alcohol, and that includes marijuana. But that's what happens to people uh, who have trouble emotionally. 
And uh, many of them don't understand the difference between being aggressive and being assertive. So, you know, let's talk about that in simple terms. If I were to be aggressive, aggressive communication would basically scare somebody. That means I'm going to start yelling and screaming and using a lot of tone. You did this to me. How oh, I can't believe oh, you, you are so bad, blah, 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 blah. Okay, that kind of communication is going to call for the other person to, to basically be like a brainstem. They're, they're, they're basically going to be in a fight or flight mode. And so what's going to happen is they're going to argue or they're going to run, but they're not going to listen. If we want people to listen and if we want to learn how to manage our emotions, the best possible thing we can do is learn how to be flat and straight, straight and talk to our emotions. That means like this. You know, I'm very sad that you did this. I'm very frustrated. I'm actually enraged that this happened. I wish that you would talk to me about this. I feel very angry. I feel very upset. If we could talk to our emotions like that and make it safe for people, conflict would be so much easier in this life. Listening is also something people do a very poor job of. But listening is respect. And whoever is listening is in control of the conversation. But a lot of people don't realize that. And so what they would choose to do is talk over people. They think that that is going to control things. And unfortunately, if they were to learn how to be good listeners, they would actually change their relationships with those people around them. I cannot tell you how many parents I see don't listen to their children, and by not listening, their children rebel and feel disrespected and disconnected. Listening doesn't mean you agree. You know, the basic bottom line to it is learning how to validate. And what validation is, is I understand. I hear what you're saying. So what you're telling me is this. And if we were to do that more often, what would actually happen is people would feel respected. That doesn't mean we agree with them. Okay. So let's see where we're at. I believe we're at the point where we need to take a break. So let's go ahead and see where things are. Let me communicate real quickly. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Are you living the life you were truly meant to live? Join host Janice Darrow each week for Living the Best You. Our program guides you to the empowerment of the real you and your inner intuitive voice. That inner voice can and does lead us to a magnificent and empowering life when we learn to listen to it. Gain greater tools on how to listen and follow your dreams through Janice's wisdom and those of her enlightened guests. You'll be ready to live a more fulfilled life. Tune in to Living the Best You every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. When you make decisions, do you ever find yourself in doubt? Are you trying to figure out what's right with you? Are you ready to truly change your life? 
Listen for the Access Consciousness Radio Show with the founders of Access Consciousness, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane Here. Consciousness is all about including everything and judging nothing. Our program will help you break free from your personal limitations and enhance positive change in all areas of your life. Tune in to Access Consciousness Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our listeners have told us that they want to be motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement around the clock. And we've responded to you. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's here at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are tuned in to Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary Bell or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. So, got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on the Email Host button on the Voice America page. Now, back to Absurd Psychology. Hey, welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about emotional intelligence. And, uh, you know, here's a... Emotional intelligence is something where the, the book that was written for emotional intelligence was about a 1,000 pages long. But, you know, getting it down to something very simple is emotional intelligence is when, you know, like a baby, if, if it cries... It may represent many emotions, like being tired, frustrated, hungry, scared, lonesome. It, it could stunt their, you know, their development could be somewhat uh, stunted if a parent doesn't embellish those emotions and start teaching a child how to use them. Many people go through life and they're not able to understand how to express their emotions. Some families are very what are called authoritarian where a person doesn't have a right to express themselves. But the more we teach our children how to express themselves, the better balanced they become emotionally and the much better chance they have to be balanced in their life and able to have relationships. Unfortunately, people that do drugs and and alcohol – Oftentimes, they'll stunt their growth uh, emotionally by taking those things, and that includes marijuana. Let's say they start at 15, and they stop at sometime around 30, 25. When they pick up around 25 and 30, basically what happens is they're, they're at the, where they were at 15 emotionally because they have not learned to develop that. They don't have the, the compassion, the sympathy. They, they've been in such a self-centered world that they don't know how to connect necessarily with others. Also, you know, listening is something people have a very hard time with understanding, but, you know, listening is respect, and respect is huge in this life. If we are able to listen 
and hear other people's perspectives, what happens is people will actually listen to us. And whoever's listening is actually in control of the conversation. Unfortunately, people think they've got to talk over people, got to be the center of attention, to be the most powerful person in the room. The truth is, being quiet, silence, is actually power. Listening is actually a sense of control. It's actually a sense of being the person that is more stable and being the person that is, that is, that is more in control of where that conversation is going to go. And, and the bottom line is, we want to validate people. We don't want to tell them they're wrong or say, no, 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 that's not the truth. We, what we want to do is validate them. I understand. I hear what you're saying. So what you're telling me is blah, blah, blah. By doing that, we are respecting a person. That doesn't mean we agree with them, but it does mean that we are respecting them. Now, here's 52 weeks of anger management, 52 weeks of anger management for you. What, first of all, what anger management means is managing your anger before it becomes rage. Rage is the problem when it comes to anger management. Rage is uncontrolled anger. And there are two main routes to get to anger that creates rage. If I want to make somebody angry, I can either disrespect them or make them afraid. Fear and disrespect and how, and how much weight the receiver puts into either of them is the key to managing anger or how to make someone look also really stupid. <laughs> what I mean is, if, if anybody could push the crazy button on somebody, wouldn't that be tempting to do if I could just push a button on somebody else and they go crazy? Well, once again, creating a fear or creating disrespect is about the easiest way to push that button. Now, here's the problem. Let's think about bullying. Bullying, for instance, let's just think about it. If you were a dog, would you chew on a squeaky toy or a toy that doesn't squeak? Most dogs would chew on the squeaky toy. Why? Because they're getting feedback. No, don't hurt me, please, don't. Okay, so they continue chewing on that squeaky toy. And as they chew on it, they end up tearing out the squeaky box, and then they throw the toy away. Now, the reason I bring this up is because people in life that are bullies, people that are overbearing, basically, are like dogs chewing on squeaky toys. They're looking for squeaky toys. And anybody that's reactive in this life, anybody that is defensive, anybody that even creates looks that are, may not even be verbal, they just run away or they roll their eyes or they act strange when the person talks to them, that is a reaction. And they love that. They feed off of that. And so, you know, the key in life to being able to control your life and not have that crazy button that someone hits and turns you into a mad lunatic is to be able to understand that to get through life, you want to be the toy that doesn't squeak. What happens to the dog toy that doesn't squeak? It sits in the corner and oftentimes is thrown away at some point because the dog never plays with it. It wants something that will react to it. And so in the key in life is to not be reactive. That doesn't mean the dog's not going to chew on us or the bully's not going to pick on us. But the deal is, if we're not giving them a reaction, 
we're making them look kind of stupid. And that's the bottom line, you know, in communication, we have to be willing to accept other people's perception. Now, here we go with this fear and disrespect thing. If I want to disrespect somebody, I'll stop listening. That's disrespect. 70% of our population will go to rage. And that doesn't mean they go crazy. It means they may hold it in inside. They may suppress it. But the bottom line is they're going to have a very deep anger for me if I'm not listening. And this, unfortunately, happens in relationships where two people don't listen to each other. And sadly, that communication breaks down and breaks down and spirals until they have to get help outside of themselves because they've invented a system that destroys each other. If they could only live in the moment and try to listen to each other, things would be so much better. Your perception is your truth. My perception is my truth. I have to be willing to accept your truth. I don't have to agree. And you need to accept my truth. And if we can both choose to do that, we can have a relationship. And that's the beauty of life. You know, also we have this fantasy and this delusion that we're going to have a life of fairness. Well, you know, the truth is, Fair is a place where they judge pigs. There's no such thing as fair in this life. You know, it's crazy to think that life is going to be fair. Life is not, and we have to roll with it. We have to be adaptive. Now, here's the other thing that creates craziness in people's lives, and this affects relationships in every kind of way, and that is trust. I would suggest to you that every argument you have ever had in this life, every confrontation stems from a violation of trust. If you want to see how psychotic someone who loves you can get, violate their trust, and you will see how crazy people get. All relationships, and many people think that, well, you know, I love her, or I love him. Well, that's great that you love each other, but the deal is love isn't enough to keep a relationship strong. If you're going to keep a relationship strong, you have to work on trust. Trust can be fixed. Trust can be a way of life. And the more you value trust, the more stronger, the better, purer, happier, peaceful your relationship will be with someone else. So, you know, when you trust someone, love always follows. You could see somebody and not see them for 10 years. You have this best friend and, and you don't see him for 10 years and all of a sudden they come back. And when you see them, it's, it's like, wow, uh, there you are again and here's our relationship. Everything's great and it continues on that way because there's trust. But when there's just love, unfortunately, love doesn't include trust all the time. I can love someone and not trust them. I mean, really, sometimes... Do you always trust your kids? You still love them, but you don't always trust them. Well, bottom line is that love, you know, may be very strong and may be very pure, but the fact is it, it doesn't carry necessarily a lifetime contract because that kid may eventually drive you to the point of <laughs> completely cutting them out of your life when you're later on as an adult. Trust, what I'm trying to tell you, is what binds all relationships. It's much deeper than love. Also, fear of commitment means that you don't trust yourself and you're thinking you're doing somebody a favor. So, if you can start 
working on that. The way to get trust back is to make a contract with somebody you don't trust and basically establish an agreement and then go on what's called faith. I'm going to have faith in you until I trust you. And if that person follows through with their agreement with you on faith, then basically what happens is the trust heals. And so when in relationships things are not going well, in a marriage when things are not going well, if we can renew that contract, oftentimes what we're going to find is is that it will restore trust if we begin to have faith and not try to knock down our partner, not try to accuse them of things, not try to be paranoid or, or, or scared or suspicious and communicate that on a continuous basis to our partner. If we're going to attack trust in a relationship, basically we're, we're guiding that relationship to an end. So once again, we ask for our partner to have faith in us. We ask for the person in a relationship, have faith, I need your faith in, in you, I need your faith in me to get this done. And by doing that, that will eventually heal that. Another thing is, is forgiveness. You can go to church your whole life and never understand how to forgive. And forgiveness is often taught by role models. You know, some people live in anger and just enjoy it. They don't want to forgive and they spend their whole life like a victim. Like, you did this to me or you make me feel. The truth is, when someone tells you, you make me feel, you want to say, I don't make you feel crap. You did that all on your own. Victims are whiners, and they suck the soul straight out of your body if you're around them too long. Ask a victim what they did. Give them an I, you know, say, give me an I statement. Tell me what you did. Now, if I want people to forgive, forgiveness is done by not focusing on the event that happened or the words that violated your trust. You focus on the intention. People get defensive when you ask them a why question. So you don't want to ask, why did you did this? Why did you do this? Because if you ask a person why they did, that's a motive-based question. It's going to make them very, very defensive. You want to ask them a what and how statement. Forgiveness is working the process that led to the bad event or the bad statement. What was your intention? What were you thinking? How did you decide to do this? When we attack the process, what we're basically doing is we're gearing ourselves towards forgiveness. And truthfully, people do bad things but don't always have bad intentions. And so what we want to do is understand that, hey, I need to give the person the benefit of the doubt they made a mistake, but they didn't intend to do something bad. Attacking the event, once again, is going to only create a problem and the problem is to never forgive. And forgiveness and living without it is a gigantic burden. All right, now, we're about to take another break. I hope you all will hold on, come back, and we've got another wild ride coming back, starting with sexuality. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Every one of us confronts challenges that rock our world to the core, making us confused and disoriented, not knowing which way is up. On The Mother Rising, host Margaret Jacobson will nourish that spark that enlivens. You will be both empowered and inspired to create the changes leading you on your path to your own true freedom. Discover your worth and what you are capable of. 
tune into The Mother Rising every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Do you feel like sometimes you just don't know where to start with your health and fitness routine? Every week, you can hear from people who have been where you feel that you are right now and find out how they move forward and are living their best lives ever. It's called Lifestyle 360, and your host is Nicole Monier. Get inspired to take control of your health and your life. Tune into Lifestyle 360 every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary Bell or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough. But if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. So, got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on the Email Host button on the Voice America page. Now, back to Absurd Psychology. Welcome back. Sexuality. Wow. You know, truthfully, I'll just tell you, I I personally and professionally don't care what people's sexual preferences are. Honestly, after, you know, about 15 years of counseling people, I have clients of all sexual preferences, backgrounds, and choices. I've I've had all kinds of crazy things and life come into the office. And honestly, you know, what people's preferences are is what they are. My job is to meet them where they're at. You know, the world is far too advanced to spend my energy trying to be the moral majority. It's sad that other people choose to do that. There's more to people than their vagina and their penis. There's their thoughts and who they are. And that is a much more important asset than your sexuality. Life is not just a sexual adventure. You know, from what I see, here's here's the honest truth. Everyone is gay by ambiguous, straight, transsexual, so on. Sexuality is far more complex. All fetuses start without a sex. We have both within us, both male, female. We're only half a chromosome apart sexually. The lines of what people prefer and show the world may be ingrained in their lifestyle, their religion, social pressures, family tradition, But we're also curious and strange creatures who have personal thoughts, desires, and preferences that we oftentimes don't communicate. And I say this because in my work, I cross paths with with that sexual shadow that is not what other people see. And unfortunately, it makes its way into people's lives. So when we label what, why uh, people are the way they are, We're thinking in terms of what's called black and white thinking. The truth is life is gray, and that is where the truth is. So many of us run from the gray because it has too many truths, and it is too complex to understand. 
There is a thing within us, and, and it's people understand it as the yin and the yang. It's called the anima and the animus. That's a young Carl Jung term. And, and basically what it means is that we are both animal and human. We're both logical and animal. That means we have a nature within us that we have to embellish. That is an animal nature. We have to do things that are spontaneous and uh basically fulfill an illogical need. It may be to participate in a sport or to go uh, mountain bike riding or, you know, a sexual venture or whatever that may be. But it has to be something that doesn't have a lot of thought behind it. You know, let's let's ask, what's the logic of buying, a, let's say, a Harley Davidson? Well, people will buy a Harley Davidson because that represents them. There's not a logical conclusion why they spend all that money. The fact is they just need it because it represents who they are. And that is part of what's called our anima, the animal part of us. The anima is a human. That's our logical side. And that is very, very important side too. But we don't want to live in our heads. We want to live both. We want to both have an active life and we want to have a thinking life. And that means that we may not be able to explain every little thing logically that we feel and do. It doesn't mean everything we do as an anima, the animal part of us, has to be bad. As a matter of fact, all of it can be good. All of it can be good. But you want to be able to manage the anima in a way that it is good for your life and have boundaries, not something that is self-destructive. That anima part of people can get out of hand if they don't manage it. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Now, here's this black and white thinking thing. Black and white thinking makes things very simple. It makes judgment very easy because everything is either evil or good. You know, if you think about the movies that people love, all those things like uh, Star Wars or, uh, you know, uh, the Hobbit or whatever, all the, those things are like good and evil. Harry Potter, good and evil. We love that. It's so romantic. The truth is, though, that life is not good or evil. There's good and evil within every single one of us. I would suggest, truthfully, that every single person that is listening to this show, if not every single person in this world that is an adult, has done something in this life to violate the law, their loved one, or can be considered absolutely, truly evil. Or probably all of the above has been done within their life. Since they weren't held accountable, however, they live in the delusion of being all good. You know, give me a break. I'll admit, I've done some evil crap in my life, and I know that everybody else has also. And the truth is, if we can accept the fact that we are both good and evil, that we've done all of that, but most everything we've done is actually gray, on a gray scale. That means it wasn't all black and it wasn't all white. It was right in the middle, and it had various shades of gray. And I'm not talking about the book, by the way. You know, our favorite movies will delude us into thinking that life is black and white. You know, how simple life would be to categorize the world as good and evil. You know, the reason we have justice in the U.S. is to discover the gray area and define the justice to follow from there. Lawyers make a living manipulating the gray to get the outcome they seek. Some buy it, some don't. But the best lawyers are the ones who seek the truth in the gray. And what we have to have in this life, truthfully, 
is the courage to understand the gray. Understand why, what, how did someone arrive at doing something in a bad way? In therapy, in working, in self-help, in this world, we have to work with the area of gray and we have to understand that that is where healing happens because that is where understanding is. Life is a work in progress. It is not evil and good, black and white. Now, here's the deal. This is the most important thing in life, emotionally and just in life itself, and that is peace. Peace is acceptance. You know, Eckhart Tolle told a beautiful story in one of his books. It says, the reaction to life, if you want to have a peaceful life, is to react to people with the statement, is that so? To every accusation, every angry statement that is made towards us, is that so? To not defend, but accept how we're perceived. To not feed into people who are out of balance and still move on with our lives. We don't buy their stuff, we just, is that so? And we leave them with their own truth, and they're going to have to live in that. You know, you have to fight for peace, and, and the fight is to learn to do what is hard, to forgive and accept, to not defend, to stay calm and discern between a person venting and a person communicating respectfully. That means if somebody's venting, they're highly emotional, they're aggressive, they're overbearing, and the bottom line is, that's their problem. You don't have to join them. Just validate them. I understand. I hear what you're saying. So what you're telling me is this. Reflect it all back on them. So if we do what is hard, which is become good listeners and not take everything so personal and be so sensitive and egotistical and self-centered, just actually let them vent, what will actually happen is our life will come back into balance. And if we do that hard thing, our life becomes a lot simpler. You know, a lot of people say, I just want to be happy. You know, the truth is, <laughs> happiness is only one emotion, and uh, if you spill your whole life trying to be happy, that's pretty hard to do. Peace is the baseline we also always want to fall back on, not happiness. When we have peace, we have every emotion at our disposal, and that's what we want to have. Peace is a peaceful, calm place, and that means acceptance. That means we're not trying to control life. Now, other people have issues with what's called self-esteem and character. You know, self-love is learning how to say no to things that hurt your life. If a no takes effort, then there's a chance you can be influenced. If it is effortless, flat and straight, no, it is easy. This is called boundaries. You know, children learn how you say no is more important than the no. If, it, if you have to work to say a no, like no or no, what happens is there's a yes underneath it because you don't have good boundaries. If you were just to say no, and they say but, 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 no means no, then they have nothing to argue with because there's no tone. So we all learn at a very young age by negotiating a no that we listen to tone rather than words. And unfortunately, that follows suit in life. And many people get caught up in interpreting tone rather than listening to words. If we want to be heard, be flat and straight. You know, the truth is, for those of you ha who have experienced a predator in your life, 
this is how predators work. And they work on what's called self-esteem. What they'll do is they'll give a target a compliment and see how they react. If that person, let's say a female, has trouble saying a simple thing like thank you when they're given a target or given a, given a, uh, given a compliment, they become a target. The predator can make them believe they see the low self-esteem person better than they see themselves. And for those of you who have met and been with predators, these sick dirtbags think they're doing you a favor by feeding your ego and complimenting you and you not accepting. However, the deal is they want a reward. My advice, if someone gives you a compliment, just say thank you. Flat and straight. Move on. See how it feels. Why in the world do you make it so hard to give a person a compliment? For, for you to take one. You're just showing the world your low self-esteem and setting yourself up as a target. All right, so here is something that's also very important, and that's character. And I don't know if anybody's ever had this issue of asking a partner, you know, where would you like to go eat? Well, I don't know. Where would you like to go? Well, that's crazy. And then also, then they ask, then you say, uh, well, both of us must be indecisive, <laughs> so we have no place to go for dinner. The deal is, is if you are indecisive and can't even decide where to go to dinner, your life must be pretty miserable. The deal is, if you want character, you have to be able to make decisions so that people know who you are, what you're about, and how to give to you in a way that will please. People with character may or not be liked, but at least they can be respected because they make a choice. Character is a choice. Making decisions. The more you're able to make decisions, the more people understand you. It doesn't mean you may not take it back and go, oh, I uh, changed my mind. You can change your mind. But the deal is, character means I have a life full of decisions. And that's a very powerful thing, and that means you're a very, very powerful person. All right, let's look at what we're going to discuss in later shows. Marriage and relationships is the next one. It's called Madness, Guilt, and the Pursuit of Loneliness. Depression and Anxiety. Discovering Your Inner Zombie. Parenting, Like Hurting Squirrels. Divorce and Step Parenting. The Joy of Thankless Living. Sex and Relationships, How to Keep It Up. Childhood Issues, Prozac Moments. Personality Disorders, Can't You Find a UFO to Haul Your Ass Back Home. Suicide, Death, and Grieving, The Art of Living Miserably. There's also going to be crisis intervention, religion and psychology, wellness, organizational development, and much more. Dr. Nancy Bull, Dr. Wayne McAfee, and Chuck, uh, Pastor Chuck Boer will be my special guests on a few of these shows. So here's a few absurd questions to ask yourself. Is it possible that the purpose of our lives is just to be a warning to others? <laughs> if love is blind then why is lingerie a multi-billion dollar industry? <laughs> if you don't pay your exorcist, do you get repossessed? And finally, <laughs> I personally, just me, believe that a great error has been made in all of the, the diagnostic manuals for mental health. I personally believe stupid should be a diagnosis. Now, what that means is the person has no common sense. <laughs> I would love to be able to say, I'm sorry, there's no medication for this. You're just stupid. <laughs> so, and I think in life, the truth is that there are 
stupid people out there. I know there's very highly intelligent people that I know that can barely tie their shoes. And bottom line is I have another theory, and that is the more intelligent people are, sometimes the less common sense they have. I think there's like a balance between common sense and intellect, and hopefully people have both. I think that's where we want to strive, and that's where we do our best. So here's, I just want to thank you, for everybody, for listening. I'd love to hear from you and get your feedback. My email is drgbmft, drgbmft at sbcglobal.net or Twitter at drgbmft. Now remember, just because people are crazy does not mean they're stupid. Thank you for listening today. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Monday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.